Richard's tagline on his online profile was padlock looking for the right combination. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happened, everybody? How y'all doing? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to the 11th episode of the Chris and Christine Show. Do-do-do-do! The 11th episode! Fantastic! And here we are for you guys today. We're really excited about our episode today, but before we get into talking about what we're going to be talking about, we're going to do a little recap of the week because we know you all like to hear what's going on in our lives. Right. That was our last episode, which was a big episode number 10, and it was a long one because we did dive into all the uh, details of the Chris and Christine show, Hawaii Extravaganza fantastic fantastic voyage vacation yeah but what we didn't tell you all was we made a really big decision while we were on vacation we didn't walk down the aisle but we decided where we will walk down the aisle yes we were in hawaii and while we were in hawaii i'm saying as we're there walking around the uh, property i noticed there's this big like wedding chapel and gazebo and waterfall whole like setup and while we were there, like, every time we passed by it, somebody was getting married. And it was so beautiful, like a girl's dream, fairy tale princess dream. Okay, girls and fellas, but girls are most importantly here. <laughs> um, imagine this. Imagine a cute little wedding chapel propped up on top of a waterfall. And then down the curved stairs, you walk into a white gazebo where on the stairs, your guests shower you with rose petals now wait a second because what we didn't say is when you're inside of that wedding chapel getting married when you look out at the beautiful glass windows there is still a view of the ocean it's the small ocean is but, right there yep yep fantastic so we made a decision and that's where we will be getting married right we have decided that'll be the spot we're going to get married so we're what? so excited yes excited nervous you know what i'm saying but um <laughs> but it's all fun it's all good i'm excited to go back to hawaii who isn't oh my goodness get married there it's fantastic we can bring the family and bring the kids kids are super excited i mean who doesn't want to go to hawaii and get married and do it all right there on the beach fantastic so the big day is going to be 11 20 2020 Yes, that's um, that's the big day. <laughs> yeah, it's over a year away, and we wanted to stretch it out a little bit because we want to make sure that we're ready for it, that we are able to pay in cash for our wedding, that right. we're able to plan a vacation around it because we want to take the kids a few days early and make right. sure we all have time to enjoy it together because it's not just Chris and I getting married. It's blending our families. Right, so we're blending two families together, and that's very interesting you say that tonight. Yeah, because tonight's topic, we're actually going to be bringing in our very first guests onto the Chris and Christine show in just a few minutes, waiting behind the scenes, <laughs> across the phone lines, yes. across the country, are Richard and Barbie Armenta. They are based out of Arlington, Texas, and they have a really tremendous story. 
it's really funny how I got connected with them because I actually met Barbie in a Facebook group. I posted right after our second episode for the Chris and Christine show that I was super excited about stepping out in faith and doing this exciting new podcast project with my boyfriend at the time. Yeah, that's me. Yep. And I was sharing about how we like to talk about our family and it's really brought us closer as we're talking about the future and it's helping us create something. And I just posted this info and a picture of Chris and I, and it was overwhelming the response that I got from the women on this closed group that were so super supportive. I think Chris and I looked at it. We had like over a thousand people responding. Was it close to 2000? Yeah. Responding in some way to that Facebook post, engaging with it. But Barbie Armenta was one of the first individuals that reached out and said, I'd love to connect with you. Sounds like we have a similar background. So I reached out with her, really connected with her in terms of a little bit of her story. And then she told me that her and her husband had co-authored a book that was getting ready to release. Yeah. Really? What's her husband's name again? His name's Richard. Richard. And Barbie, is it really her name Barbie for real? Yeah. So, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that we're going to find out for sure. It might be short for something, but Richard and Barbie, um, they've walked actually a very similar path to Chris and I, and their book, which we're going to be getting into in a little bit, is called The Right Combination. The Right Combination. The Right it's Combination. Not about, it's not about figuring out how to pick locks. No, it's oh. definitely not. Okay. But <laughs> it's going to get into finding success in dating after divorce. And they are going to talk about faith a bit, and we've shared before, this isn't necessarily a Christian podcast, but it is family-friendly, and we're going to be talking a little bit about faith and dating and how we believe those things go together in terms of really building a strong bond for the future. That is fantastic. I cannot wait to hear them and get them on the show, and uh, it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, I did get a, what's called a galley copy of the book. So before Ooh. it was released to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, before it was out on bookshelves, I got an advanced reader copy. Okay. And I devoured that book. It was so relevant and so encouraging. And I loved to hear this couple stories. So I've really been looking forward to this interview. Is it, um, is the book more of like a, uh, biography biography or. Yeah. So the way that it's structured is it's their story at the beginning of the chapter. And then towards the end of the chapter, it has some like questions for reflection and to help you grow in like self discovery So Barbie and I actually connected through one of our, I would call it like a personal development Facebook page around our favorite author, uh, Rachel Hollis. Ooh, is she going to be on here next? No, I wish. Oh my gosh. Dave and Rachel Hollis are amazing. And they're a podcast that we aspire to be like. They are a couple that co-creates the Rise Together podcast. And so it's on the Rachel Hollis Made for More page that I met Barbie. Okay, fantastic. how we were able to bring her on Okay, well, someday soon we'll get them figured out and we'll get them on. Yeah, it would be awesome. So we're really excited to have Richard and Barbie Armenta on the line with us today 
as we talk about their book, The Right Combination, and we are going to jump into that right after this. The Chris and Christine Show is now on Instagram at the K2 Show San Diego. Check out our latest pictures, videos, show teasers, and life updates on Instagram at the K2 Show San Diego. Hi, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us after that last little promo. I'm really excited to be on the line with Richard and Barbie Armenta, the co-authors of a brand new book that just hit store shelves called The Right Combination. So welcome to the Chris and Christine show, Richard and Barbie. Hello. How are you? Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're super excited. And you're joining us all the way from, is it Arlington, Texas? Yes, we are. That's awesome. Chris and I were talking a little bit about Arlington. We don't know a whole lot about it, but I think that we'll learn more about it and you by the end of this interview. So let's jump right in. I do have a couple of fun questions for you, but why don't you start off with telling us and our listeners, um, we'd love to hear about you and your love story. Can you tell us how you met and about your beautiful blended family? Yeah, sure. I think uh, uh, I I've been single uh, for about eight years when I met Barbie, and uh, we actually met online, uh, which is today is known as Match.com, but uh, we actually was at Yahoo Personals at the time. But I think I think each of us knew as soon as we kind of uh, you know met each other, we found one another attractive, and uh, which I think now kind of goes without saying. I mean, here we are seven years later going, <laughs> going strong, you know. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so it was uh, you know for me it was the time to. I've been single long enough and focusing on just me and my daughter for quite some time. And I was, um, I think, ready to get out there. And I think my sister was also ready to get me out of her house. I was been hanging around too long. So she was like, go meet somebody. <laughs> That's awesome. I was saying, so you were a single dad raising a daughter? Yes, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a single dad raising a daughter. I mean, it, like I said, I've been single for about eight years before I met Barbie. And just uh, my daughter and I were just super, super close. And it was just, uh, I mean, we had done a lot of things uh, uh, together and uh, just really growing together. I, um, I, you know, I taught a lot of different classes with her and stuff like that. And I was really, I was kind of blessed at the time, I would say, because I had a job that I worked from home. And so I was able to do things like, and I made it a point uh, that every Wednesday I would tell her, I said, look, Wednesday, I know you just love cafeteria food, but how about Wednesday I bring you like Chick-fil-A or McDonald's to the cafeteria <laughs> and I can sit and hang out with you and your friends and stuff. And, and uh, normally you get a no, that's not okay because it was middle school and I'm kind of too cool now. But uh, <laughs> it was like, yes, I would love that. And so every Wednesday I would go hang out with her, have lunch together. And we just felt, you know, over, and we did stuff like that a lot. So we really had a great little block, you know, bond going into this, uh, especially when I met Barbie, you know, and then here she is with her uh, three sons, um, you know, one older and then two younger. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I was, it was, just something I absolutely enjoyed being a dad of a daughter. That's awesome. And what about you, Barbie? Can we hear a little bit more about you and your perspective on the love story? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, it was a little bit different for me. Well, a lot different for me. As, as Richard said, I have three boys. So he had the one daughter, and then I come along with all my boys. And so it was a little bit louder, <laughs> a little bit more rambunctious. <laughs> so little different than his world, but I loved it. I love being a boy mom. Um, I had been divorced for three years and um, just I had 
uh, three boys. They at the time they were gosh, like nine, thirteen, and eighteen, <laughs> seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I shouldn't have started doing math. <laughs> so yeah, that was terrible. but so I was always, you know, we're skateboarding, we're at soccer games, we're doing all those things where um so life looked a little bit different for me. And so I knew going into the dating scene again that that was going to be difficult for anyone to, mm. to take on, me and <laughs> all my crew. So right. I actually had put that in my online profile that I had three boys and also a little bit about my face because I thought, you know what, that we've got a lot of people. <laughs> right, so, definitely. And I think that that's why at the beginning of your book I connected uh, and Chris connected so much with your story is because – um, while we have different numbers of kids, the pathways are very mm-hmm. similar. We also met online on Match.com. Uh, but the story of your first in-person meeting paralleled ours very closely in terms of hours <laughs> kind of escaping and you're just in this great conversation until mm-hmm. late into the night. And uh, so tell me about that first date experience. What was that like for both of you? Oh, I'll start. <laughs> that was, for me, it was the best first date ever. Um, it's funny because I'd been on some first dates on, you know, in the online dating. And luckily, I hadn't had a bad experience. But, yeah, you just know right away if you click with someone. And in the, I had backup plans for later just in case with my girlfriend. <laughs> um, but when, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, no, this is Definitely not contacting the girlfriend. And has, the whole time we're talking, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be the one that's not going to call me back. But, no, we had so much fun. We just kept going. We went, we just met for happy hour, but then we went out dancing. And then we were sitting at IHOP at, you know, two in the morning having pancakes and just the best conversation and just the best mm-hmm. time. And I just loved it because it was just real. And some people you meet, they just, you know, they can be who that you they think you want to be in the moment and Mm -hmm. he was just so real and just very transparent and just sharing a story so it was i loved it yeah i think that's a lot of it was just the great open communication that we had just the the conversation just kept flowing you know and here and then i was kind of like you know like i think anybody does it when you're online dating you're like okay so if this doesn't work out what am i doing later uh you know but but as she said it, it worked out great you know and in but it was. It was, uh, you know, mutual attraction. You know, like, wow, okay, you know, I'm in jeans and flip-flops, but I do have shoes in the car if we're going to go dancing. I was ready for that, too. <laughs> but um, got- it, really, it really was a open, great open communication that we had to just kind of sharing story after story, and it just kind of felt really comfortable. you got to love a prepared man, Barbie, that keeps an extra set of shoes in the trunk of his car. That, that's oh, 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, well, I loved that part of your book where you were talking about your first date, and it brought back my memories of my first date with Chris. Very much like you, Barbie, I had a friend that said, you know, if it doesn't work out, give it an hour, and then we'll take you out for drinks. And four and a half hours later, Chris and I looked at our phones, and we were like, where did the time go? So I loved that whole story and how you both told your perspectives on that first date. It was really fun. Uh, oh, so let's 
so let's move on to another question. I, you know, I read your book. I was so grateful to get an advanced galley copy to be able to read before the public release. And I was really curious about what led the two of you to decide to co-author a book and share your story. Well, I don't know that either of us ever thought we were going to write a book. And, but I had always wanted to go to, um, the Speak Up Conference in Michigan at Carol Kemp's conference. And because I did always want to be a speaker and, um, so, and I just really admired her. So I told Richard when we, um, after we had got married, I said, I've always wanted to go to this conference. It's coming up in June. You know, I would just, just pray about it. And his response was, well, I could pray about it or I could send you. And I was like, really? Is that how that works? Like, this is, this, I'd never had someone be so supportive like that. And so I went and the whole time I was meeting people and I went totally selfishly because I, this was something I had always wanted to do. But as I was sharing bits of our story, people kept saying, y'all need to write a book. You and your husband need to write a book. And at first I was like, what? This is for this is all about me. What are you talking about? <laughs> and But over time, I finally called him from there, and I was like, you know, babe, I don't know what's going on, but I think you and I are supposed to write a book. And it just continued to come up, and so we just sort of got our feet wet and started writing some things. And it's been, it's been a few-year journey to really get this on the paper, but I just feel like it was just so God-led and um, just so grateful then to just get that opportunity. When you start writing – it's kind of almost, especially when you're sharing your story, it's almost therapeutic in ways and it's difficult in ways because, mm-hmm. you know, pulling out these personal things and being so vulnerable. And so um, we're grateful to have had you read it and just for everyone that, that's read it and give us feedback and just for the lives that we pray will be touched through this yeah. process. Yeah, and that yeah. was the funny thing. To, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. It's okay. No, that, that, yeah, that was the funny thing for me because I like I thought – I thought I was just sending Barbie to a conference that she always wanted to attend. And then here, the next thing I know, like here, uh, we're on, you know, we're on a road to writing a book. You know, she's calling me. I think we're supposed to write a book. And I'm like, really? Cause I thought I was just sending you to a conference. <laughs> well, you know, so the thing is, I think, I think, and honestly, when we look back on it and we really, I think anybody, you look back on your life and you look back on the things you walk through, you know, in this, and your trials, tribulations, valleys and mountains and whatever it is. I think God had always, for us, I think God had always been writing the book all along. He just needed us to see his vision on how he wanted us to share his story through us. And share that story you did. There were some parts of that story in your dating journey where I could just feel the the tug towards each other and then that a little bit of fear of being vulnerable again and that back and forth. And how did that feel to put all of that out in the open for anybody to read your deep rooted <laughs> vulnerabilities? <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> you know, it was such a long, pro- it was kind of a longer process for us. And so I think just over time, because I started it slowly and just putting some things out in blogs on our website and so I kind of got a little bit of a feel for that. And just thankfully, just the support, because I published parts of my journals. And these were things that I thought, if anyone ever reads this, I would just die. <laughs> and now mm-hmm. we're publishing them out, and out in the world. But side note, um, Richard said, I think God was always writing this story. 
Richard's tagline on his online profile was padlock looking for the right combination. And now here we are 10 years later with this book entitled um, Right Combination, Finding Love and Life After Divorce. So I think he was always writing this story. That's right, incredible. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think for me, it's like, you know, I had, I mean, I had come so to a point where I, you know, I just, in, you know, shared that with Barry. It's like, I, you know, I was, had been so, so focused on my daughter and me and who I was in Christ, really who I was in Christ. And just figuring out who I was all by myself, nobody else, and got to the point where I was content in my relationship with him. So when I started putting stuff down on paper, for me, it was less about me and probably more about, oh, what is my family going to say when they read this? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so much out there. But honestly, what I can say for an individual, because you talked about vulnerability, right? And we often say vulnerability feels like risk. Because vulnerability is risk, but also vulnerability sometimes looks like weakness to an outsider, but it actually is a show of strength. And so putting all that stuff on paper for me, because uh, God had already set me free, was even giving me more freedom. Mm. That's incredible. I love that so much and how even putting it on, down on paper releases any mm. last stronghold that the devil might try to have over us, keeping us in fear. That's a really powerful statement there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, going I off of – oh, go ahead. No, and I, I was talking to my mom the other day on the phone, and I, we were debating – not debating, but we were talking about stuff that had been written in the book and this and that. I said, Mom, but think about – I mean, honestly, think about the Bible. I said, what if King David's story had never been told? So I never know that King David was an adulterer and he had a – had a, you know, a child out of wedlock, you know, and then murdered the person's wife. I said, what about Moses? I mean, there's so many stories in the Bible. I said that, that, that if they hadn't been written, I said, where would we find our hope? Mm, I said, okay. so, you know, I said, so to put this thing on paper for me is not only giving me freedom, but I, I pray it brings somebody hope. That's incredible. I love that. And I know that it did for me. And if I, if you don't mind me sharing Barbie, just a little bit of some of your story. Absolutely. Um, that something that really connected with me was when you were talking about coming out of a relationship where there had been a pattern of um, of abuse. And mm-hmm. that's not something that I, I share openly with really anybody in my life um, outside of my immediate circle. And I'll tell you, I was reading that you're reengaging with a relationship and your decision to go back and date again um, having come through that in my past also just really was healing for me. And so I just wanted to say personally, thank you for that vulnerability, because like you said, Richard, your story can give others hope. And it really did. It put wind in my sails. And so I just wanted to mm-hmm. say thank you for, for that, because I know that's a really hard thing to share openly. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. That blesses me because that's the yep. reason I share. And I love that God doesn't waste anything. That exactly. That can take that story in my life and touch you with it. That's what God does. That's beauty from ashes. Yeah. That's Amen. wonderful. I was just putting a sign up on my wall that said he gives beauty for ashes. So Aww. there we go. <laughs> awesome. uh, so on that idea of, of vulnerability, Chris and I just got engaged a little, little over a month ago. And your story and ours has many. Thank you. 
Um, and your story and ours has many similarities in terms of the whole learning to be vulnerable, overcoming past relationship hurts, and blending a family. So what sage advice would you have for us and any other couples that are in that same stage of life right now? I mean, sometimes I think I want to share with couples, you know, out there, uh, and, you know, that coming from, you know, divorce and coming from a certain situations that you might have gone through, it's like I always kind of share with somebody, you know, there's no shame in your past. I think the world tries to label everyone, you know, with, you know, label everyone or, or everything. And we just have to remember that, you know, not to take ownership of words spoken over us or maybe even mm-hmm. ownership of words we've spoken over ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, and I just think when you blend a family, you just really need to know your role. You know, I don't think it's the man's responsibility to come in or the woman's responsibility to come in and just really take over and say, I'm in charge now. You know, it's really knowing that role when you come into this blended family life. We truly are exactly what it means. We are blending, you know, and we need to and figure out how to blend together, you know, correctly. And, um, and for me, it's just, it was really, Barbie had been in that role for a while. So when I came in and you know, I, I always think, you know, boys do need a man, man to help raise them into men. And But she had already established roles, so I didn't take over that position right away. And I let them maintain what they had until we slowly begin to grow and know each other and love each other. You know, I know were there occasions I had to step in and say something? Yeah, but but I think it's just knowing, knowing you know, being secure enough in yourself and knowing that, uh, you know, that you are there and that you are, there to encourage you are there to lift up and that you know your role as a man is to be a spiritual leader and show how that happens you know in a loving kind and compassionate way that's great the advice that i would give is the advice that richard gave me in our four years of dating and that was (laughs) enjoy the process now Mm. i think we we want to you know Trust me, during that four years where every time he would say, enjoy the process, I'd be like, but how long is the process? You know, like, how long does this take? And I was so focused on what I wanted, and I was missing the moment. Mm-hmm. And so it's that's the advice that I would give is just to be in the moment. We rush through life so fast, and, you know, we want instant gratification and things. And it's like just being as intentional and being in the moment has so much joy to it when we just stop and we can find that time to have gratitude for right where we are. You know, there was Rich, um, Richard had made a decision that he was dating in abstinence, that we were going to date God's way, and that slows everything down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but And so we really would sit and we were intentional with conversation and we got to know each other on that mm-hmm. emotional and spiritual level that we often don't take the time to do and so that that's the thing for me is just enjoying the process and being in being in the moment and i love how you wove that throughout your book you were you didn't just focus on specific instances but on the waiting and on the patience and on the developing Mm -hmm. a solid relationship and i think that that was a consistent theme throughout the book was just pulling in how delaying the physical intimacy helped you really solidify the emotional intimacy of your relationship. And that was a really common thread through that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing we often say to each other is like, there truly is no end destination. It's always, you're always becoming, mm-hmm. you know? And so that, I think that's something that we always look at there. You're, you, you know, you're just always becoming this new thing. Yeah, definitely. In this constant stage of, of blending and growing and, just like a tree, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Well, awesome. Uh, so I have a couple more questions for you all, and I know it's getting later there in Texas time, but I want to make sure that we definitely get through the rest of these because they're great questions. Uh, you mm-hmm. mentioned in the book that you both have children and had ha- have had to navigate co-parenting with your previous spouses and blending a family. What are some of the things that you learned about blending children in your relationship that others could benefit from? You know, for me, Richard did a really good job of leading out in this area. And I would say I probably just like enjoying the process. I would have rushed things if he had not slowed me down and, <laughs> you know, and told me to, to wait. And I'm so grateful because watching the relationship develop between him and my boys was really special. And he allowed them to get to know him and to come to him. You know, my youngest was like, you know, there's just some things I need to know as a man, you know, like changing a tire. And mm-hmm. I just felt like just God and all his goodness gave my son a flat tire like the next day. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and Richard didn't go do it for him, but he went and taught him how to do it. And it's just little things like that that happen organically, that that's what develops those relationships. And I think often we try to um, to rush that that blending and it's something that as we let it allow it to happen organically in that way um, it just became something really special you yeah. know, to, to watch but, mm-hmm. but yeah Richard let, I really want them to hear from you because like I said he really just let out in this area so well I mean co- I mean, you talk about co-parenting with previous spouses and blending families I mean gosh I can think of so many things you know it's like one thing I could think of is I remember early on in my you know, uh, divorce, you know, I used to have, you know, arguments, uh, you know, with my ex and, and sometimes, and, and you just move forward and you, you know, think about even today you have arguments with maybe your spouse or future spouse and here when you're, especially when you're blaming families, but I just used to catch myself arguing about what's best for my daughter. You know, this is best for Dakota that we do it this way, blah, 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 you know, whatever it might be. And, and I would say that, you know, and, and however, when I really took it, when God really started convicting me, I'd have to take a step back, and, and I, said, I really started looking in the mirror and going, okay, and started asking myself, okay, who am I really doing this for? Mm-hmm. You know, am I really doing it for my daughter, or is this or is this all about me? And what I found out is most of my arguments with my ex, or maybe even future spouse, you know, about things that wasn't really about the kids. It was really about me, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, have, I think I share with people, it's like you just have to remember to kind of take – we have to remember to kind of take ourselves out of the equation, really – not what not what's best for the kids under my thinking, but what's truly best for them, you know. And that might mean that the other person takes the lead, or that might mean that you take the lead, you know. And then uh, so, and I just think that, that that's one thing I was thinking of when we were just shitting this year. And then also, when you're dating and you're blending a family, I would always say, you know, especially is just take your time, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and as I mentioned, you know, as I was single for eight years, as I mentioned earlier, and I and as I was dating Barbie, and so my daughter and I were. Extremely close, and and I can I, I can specifically remember telling Barry like, look, don't rush things, all right? Because I don't want to feel like you're coming between me and my daughter. Because if I feel like you're coming between us, I might end up resenting you, and maybe end up resenting your boys. I said, and that's the last thing I want to do. Mm-hmm. I said, if I can't go into this relationship loving them 100% as I would love my own, I said, then what am I doing? Because they deserve that. You know, I said, you know, so let's just slow down. I mean, does that mean everybody takes as long as we do? No. 
it does Nobody mean, does want you know, that. But, right. But, but it does mean that understand what you are going into and understand that the odds are against you, you know, and, and, and be patient enough. To, to take your time to to love one another and, and get to know the kids and love them for who they are, not who I want them to be. Mm-hmm. That's good. And going off of that, you mentioned that the odds are against you. And one of the stats that you pulled out in your book that I could not get out of my mind is that uh, you mentioned that 67% of second marriages end in divorce. And that really stood out with me. And I shared that with Chris. And we were like, okay, what do we need to do? to ensure that we don't become a negative statistic and mm-hmm. that we put things in place to build a really healthy and strong bond, knowing that if you've gone through divorce, something has fractured in a previous right. relationship and you have some of those hurts and traumas. Um, so I would love to hear from the two of you about things that you've put in place in your relationship while you were dating and in the context of your marriage that help you on a daily basis, keep that super strong bond. And that is one thing, you know, it, when you hear that statistic, it can scare you or it can inspire you to do like, you know what, what do I want to do different so we don't carry those old patterns into that new relationship. And the thing for, for me is just intentionality. You know, we um, are we're intentional about it. My whole life and with my kids, I've been intentional about family dinner. I think at least several nights a week, I want to, be, to sit down at the table together. And, um, you know, my parents, they were married for like 54 years and uh, until my dad passed. And so they all, I always remember as a kid, I would come home and my parents would sit on the couch before dinner and they would talk to each other. And if I interrupted, my dad would be like, I'm talking to your mom right now. <laughs> And then over dinner is when we, t- we got our, my sister and I got our turn to talk, you know, and they would, they were just as intentional with us. And that's what I've really tried to carry into my family. So I watched mm-hmm. my parents have a lifelong marriage after doing that. And, um, so th- that fam, and now that the kids are all, all our kids are getting married and, and moving off now, but once a month we have family dinner around the table because it's, mm-hmm. we've kind of had instilled that. And so, Richard, even though it's just two of us, we sit down and we have dinner at the table and um, we do that as our family. It's just that intentional time, not on your phones, not on a, you know, I can be watching TV on my laptop and my phone. You know, I can be distracted. So <laughs> taking those times when we're not distracted is so important. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I think, and, and one thing I want to kind of remind people is, you know, because we have a tendency to think, right? Oh, well, that's 67% of, you know, non-Christians, or that's 67% of non-churchgoers. No, that's 60%, 67% around the board. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a Christian in church or whether you're not a Christian in church, I mean, the statistics remain the same, unfortunately. You know, and so uh, you mentioned something that you made, you know, one of the things that you did early on while you were dating. Um, one of the things that I used to do is, you know, there was something going on. Something wasn't right. You can always tell, you know, all right, something's going on. I asked if you're fine. You said you're fine, but I know you're not <laughs> You know? So one thing I would do, and I know Barbie can remember this, is I would intentionally turn off the TV if I had the TV on, or I'd just mute it and say, and mute it and say, okay, so what do we need to talk about? You know? Mm, or, that's good. If some, or if there was something on my mind, I would do the same thing. I'd pause anything that I had going, turn off something, and I'd say, look, we need to sit down and talk. 
And I would, you know, be very intentional about that to say there's some ground we need to cover here and we need to get some stuff out in the open. And so, it would be, uh, so I would say, you know, by all, you know, being very open and transparent in your conversation with each other is one thing that I highly recommend because it's one thing that it feels, it sounds so easy, but it's so hard to do because now what do we do? We go back to that earlier statement we just talked about, which was vulnerability. And what does vulnerability feel like? It feels like risk. You know, right. so what if I say something that's going to make him mad? What if I say something that's going to make her mad? It, it might. You know, how many times have I told Barbie, look, I'm sorry I got short with you. I'm sorry, you know, I, I did this, you know, and please forgive me, but you have to understand this relationship and you and us and what we're going through as a blended family, everything, it is pulling. And not only that, my relationship with Christ in this new in this new dimension you know, it's pulling me and it's stretching me in ways I've never been pulled and stretched before. So, yes, it's uncomfortable, but in the end, it is making me a better me. So, you know, you just kind of you just kind of understand that and share that with that person and let them know. It's like, look, I, I don't mean to be this way, but you we're 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 we're, treading, we're going new ground here. But it's, in the end, it's all going to be good. Uh, you know, and another thing that we do is, you know, we're really intentional about reading devotionals together in the mornings. You know, and, mm. and praying, uh, you know, which is, uh, and, you know, we don't pray together every day, you know, but, but in, you know, not in that case, but we do pray together a lot. And, and I will show this for most men out there too. When we first started sitting down in the morning on the couch and reading devotionals and praying together, it didn't feel very manly to me, you know, <laughs> I'm like, and I don't know why, because it is probably one of the most manly things you can do, probably one of the strongest things you can do as a man. But at first, I was like, uh, no, I'm not doing that, you know. But And like I said, I don't know why, but, it, you know, I finally got vulnerable, finally showed my that side of me that says, yes, I am interested. And once we started doing that and reading devotionals together, started praying together, I mean, the bond that we started building with each other and with our family and with the blended kids, it just it – just, God just kept taking it higher and higher to a new level, to another new level. Uh, you know, and then I'd also agree that, you know, I love us doing family dinners once a month where we come, everyone comes together, all the kids and now the spouses that have gotten, now they've gotten married and, and we're all coming together and just spending this time once a month just around the family dinner, joking, laughing, sharing a meal. And I can't tell you how much that means to me these days. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that perspective. I know that that's going to help Chris and I, as well as so many of our listeners that listen to the Chris and Christine show. And I have one final question for the two of you um, off of that, going off of that, is that we do have a number of listeners who are overcoming divorce, they're learning to date after divorce, or are navigating single parenting. What message of hope and encouragement would you have for all of our listeners out in podcast land? Yes. Well, for me, I mean, for me, I'd reached a point really, uh, man, where I just knew my old ways were, they just weren't working. And I really came to the spot where I just made a commitment that, you know what, I'm not just surrendering some things to Christ, I'm surrendering everything, uh, you know, which included my dating life. So I was dating, as Barbie mentioned earlier, I was dating in abstinence. And also, it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter, um, for me, it doesn't matter what the other parent does at their place, Right. Um, you know, because I was all, you know, I was, a, I was on the bad side, you know, I got my daughter every first, third and fifth weekend, you know, and I thought, you know, and here I was taking her to church every weekend. I was doing these things. I know they weren't doing the things that, you know, at her mom's and, you know, but I, but, and you feel like, man, I'm going to do all this for not, 
you know, I mean, I feel like I'm going to do all these things and it's not going to hold. It's not going to take like that seed's not going to grow. You know, like we take all of a sudden we forget God's bigger than us, you know, and then I, all I say is just, you know, just keep seeking God first in everything you do and in your relationship and with your kids, because I can't tell you there were times that I look back and it was as if I had her every day. Our mm-hmm. relation grew, our relationship grew so strong and stronger every day, you know, and I could just see God taking control of this. And, it, and even when it was just a weekend, it felt like I had her a week. And I just, and so I just, you know, I tell people this, it's like, you know, you can do anything you want, but I mean, the, but the beautiful thing is God's going to do what he can do and, and it's not going to be what you can do. And your best plans can't ever work out what he has so beautifully planned for you already. Mm-hmm. That's good. What I would say is the thing that has always stood out for me is that it's never too late because I thought when I got divorced, because not only had I been divorced once, but I've been divorced twice. And so I just thought that I I had blown it. Any plans that God had for me, you know, that he wasn't going to be able to do that now. And so just to see that God is in the business of redeeming and restoring, and it's never too late. And I always say in John 10, 10, where he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And that does not mean unless you got divorced. That does not mean unless you made a mistake. He, when his promises are true and they're for forever. And so just to realize that, oh, he can still have that abundant life for me mm-hmm. um, after all of this. And so I just had to learn to put, you know, to stay focused on God and to stop trying to find my identity and my value in a man and put those God expectations on, on him. Because when we give someone permission to tell us, our, give us our value or tell us who we are, we also give them permission to take it away. Mm. And so we need to always look to God to give us our value, to tell us who we are, to restore our lives, and then allow him to bring that person alongside of you. And and just to see that's been the thing for me is just realizing it wasn't too late and that God still had plans for me. That's fantastic. That's so powerful. And thank you both so much. So, Now, where can everybody find more information about you? I know that you both do speaking, so if they were looking for speakers for any of their events, if they're wanting to purchase your book, give us your whole pitch because everybody in (laughs) podcast land definitely is going to be rushing out to get a copy of your book after this. We would love that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Primarily, you can find us on our website, which is rightcombination.net. And then from there, you can follow us on all forms of social media. Um, I am at Bob Barbie on Instagram and Twitter. I've worked in the beauty industry a long time, and I never let it go. So I am Bob Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Richard is at Richard Armenta. Mm-hmm. So you can find our book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBooks.com, wherever books are sold. So the right combination, finding love and life after divorce. All right. The right combination, finding love and life after divorce. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And uh, you were going to say, was there a a website also that goes with that other than the rightcombination.net or can they find everything there? They can find everything at rightcombination.net. Wonderful. Uh, As Chris would say, fantastic. I don't know if you've heard him on our show, but that's his (laughs) word. He'd say, fantastic. Uh, and he's he's very sorry he wasn't able to be on for the call tonight, but, you know, he's out there saving the world, 
some superheroes don't wear capes. They drive gas tanker trucks instead. So that's what he's doing, keeping us all fueled up. The Chris and Christine Show is available everywhere on Google Play with Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and iHeartRadio. So before we close out tonight, Chris and I did want to let you all close out our podcast for this evening. And we have a little tradition at the Chris and Christine Show. It's something that our boys have come up with for us, and it's called Would You Rather?, We close every one of our podcast episodes with asking a would you rather question. And so we have it ready. The boys helped us write it up for you guys. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And you get to, you get to take a turn. And in the spirit of vulnerability, I think that you will appreciate this one. The question is, and, and you'll each get to answer it, is would, would you rather be a porcupine or a turtle? I don't want to go first. <laughs> I would rather be a turtle. <laughs> Do I need to explain? <laughs> yeah, for sure. We've got to know your thinking. <laughs> well, I think a porcupine, I don't want people to be afraid of getting close to me. But as a turtle, if I don't want them to, I can't hide. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And turtles are so cute. They are so cute. They're my favorite animal. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, almost like, I almost feel like I have to go with a porcupine now. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, the first thought that came to my mind was a porcupine. Really? Yeah, and it's because there's something about a porcupine that, you know, when people first initially look at them, they think they're kind of cute also. Uh, but they're also very, you know, but they also have the things that can protect them. Uh, but uh, I'm, And the reason I say porcupine is because I'm... I have never been accused of having an indoor voice. I'm a very loud <laughs> voice person. <laughs> so, I, so when I laugh really loud, I speak really loud, it kind of sticks out like some spots on a porcupine. <laughs> it's, very, it's very noticeable. <laughs> All right. I totally understand this now. That is the best. I love that so much. And we really appreciate you, Richard and Barbie, taking the time to come on to the Chris and Christine show and share with us about your new book that's been released, The Right Combination. You can find Richard and Barbie online or at therightcombination.net. Thank you so much for joining us, and we can't wait to see how you soar in your new endeavors. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right, forget about the ones who don't, and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward.